personal log, Dr. Paul Stubbs. After decades of practicing, rehearsing for the perfect moment, full of desire to win praise and accolades across the universe, I was finally able to achieve my finest personal accomplishment, using the archaic German term Wunderkind in a sentence. I'll accept my prize graciously as always. Welcome to Reengage, everyone. Uh, on this here podcast, we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek: The Next Generation and reengage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the plucky young whippersnappers we were when it first aired. <laughs> we have now watched season one and two out of the seven total seasons, and we are excited to get into the heart of this series as it matured in season three. We'll get to discussing the season premiere evolution in a moment. But first, I can't believe we're here in the same place. Whoa, live. Live. <laughs> Real people. Real people. We're not just cultural bridge officers spreading our wings across the interwebs <laughs> to be able to communicate. We're all here. Spreading something else. <laughs> spreading something else. I am Greg, and I am excited to see you, Aragren. Thank you. I I think I should note that I have actually never been plucky. <laughs> Even as a 10-year-old? Nope, no one ever had expectations for me, and I never satisfied them. You were not a wunderkind? Nope, in no sense. Jimmy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm super excited to see you guys in person, and... Uh, to talk to Kate about Wesley's bad skin. He's oh, all real bad. up. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, there's a lot of pancake. <laughs> Kate, how are you? Uh, I'm so glad to meet you. <laughs> face to face. Nobody, right. nobody knows this, but since we started, we've been recording over Zoom, and this is the first time for me to physically meet uh, two-thirds of you. So this is very exciting. It is very exciting. And what an exciting first episode here yes. to talk about Evolution. It was first broadcast in September 1989, September 25th. So it's only two months after the last one aired, uh, which is not a ton of time, but it is a notable episode. We'll get to talking all about it, of course, and all the fun stuff. But first, I like to go into what was happening in 1989 in September. We had that little bit of a break, so there's some fun things, some fun things happening uh, in the world. I remember August 26th, 1989, Trumbull, Connecticut was the first U.S. team to win the Little League World Series oh. since 1983. So it was, I remember, because I grew up in Connecticut, so we talked about Trumbull, Connecticut, a whole bunch of winning the World Series and how interesting it was uh, for, for that. And we, I had that dream of like, well, one day my Little League team will go to the World Series. It, that never happened. So someone else had been winning six years in a row? Or they hadn't had a World Series in several years, or what? What? What was the deal there? Well, other other teams from other countries won the World Series. Gosh, they actually, brought yeah. it in from uh, you know Japan because that was super popular there. Korea, other Latin American countries were participating in the Little League World Series. So it was the first time to bring it back to the U.S. And so it was like, I guess, seven years of of other countries. And little known fact: uh, Dolly Parton wrote Nine to Five, "Get Out of Bed and Trumble to the Kitchen." Uh, after them. <laughs> We, and she went back in time and, yeah. and put yeah. that in the nine to five. Get out movie. of bed and trumble to the kitchen. <laughs> get those kids a cup of ambition and hit the ball and make it go real far. It's the unreleased version. <laughs> unreleased at least. <laughs> uh, and also in August on the 24th, 
continuing, you know, putting a, a, an end to this story of many things we mentioned earlier on in re-engage history, Pete Rose was finally suspended from baseball for life for gambling uh, in, on, during that month. Ah, oh, Pete. Bart Giamatti fired the final shot. Yeah. Good old Paul's dad and commissioner of baseball for a very short time. I did not know that. Yep. It drove him to turn into a monster and fight against the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> a rhino-based monster. I forgot. Oh, there's so many fucking movies to wade through now. <clears throat> All right. Check. Yes. Rhino. Tiny, uh, tiny little man playing a rhino. I know. I've never actually seen that movie. I just so yeah. I just. Throw... <laughs> I think Garfield's a very fine, fine. Well, after Peter seeing Parker. Tick Tick Boom, uh, absolutely. Like, oh, he's fantastic. That dude rocks. Yeah. yeah. Tick Tick Boom and West Side Story. I'm on record. Those are my favorite two movie musicals in the last, say, 30, 35 years. Done. They're just so Canon. fucking good. A couple other, you know, continuing the rise of democracy and things changing generally for the better during this period. South Africa. The president uh, was named President Botha. He resigned on August 14th, and a new president, uh, F.W. de Klerk, took over. Uh, but what I found out about looking into this is that de Klerk was actually negotiating in secret with Nelson Mandela while he was in prison. Uh, and it was it was all planned so that he would take power and then start slowly dismantling apartheid. And this mm. was the, basically the beginning of that process. It would take you know, three more years before it finally uh, uh, happened. But Desmond Tutu on September 13th, closer to when this was uh, broadcast, led the, one of the biggest anti-apartheid protest marches in South Africa. So things started to to fall uh, into place there. Um, and then we mentioned, you know, at the end of last season, how the Iron Curtain was falling in uh, uh, Eastern Europe. And uh, there was a ceremonious dropping of the borders where Hungary opened its borders to Austria so that they could have a pan-European picnic for a few hours. Mm. And it was another one of those like olive branch moments when they're like, okay, we're going to put down the borders for a while. And then again, started more and more change happening in Eastern Europe. Wow. Maybe in 10 years, they'll have another one. <laughs> That'll be nice. Yeah. One day, yeah. one day, we'll build up another yeah. curtain. Oh, I mean, that's coming. Platinum curtain. <laughs> a lot of fun stuff was happening in the entertainment world during this time. Uh, so Kate, yeah, you're wanting to let us know. I'm so excited to let you know. I believe that one of the last episodes that we had, we had a number one song from the dynamic duo Milli Vanilli. Yes. Oh, and this week yeah. is no exception to that. Uh, <sighs> it's their tune, uh, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You. Oh, uh, which yeah. is mostly spoken word. Uh, I I re-listened to it, and girl. it's like, girl, I've been a bus and bad and mad. Uh, but it's got a great chorus. Uh, it's a tragedy for me to see the dream is over. And I never, never will forget, forget the day we met. Girl, I'm gonna miss you. Yes! Oh, man. <laughs> Blame It on the Rain is like really the only one I remember. Yes. From the Ooh, and girl, you know it's true. I mean, girl, they you know, know it's true. G girl. Uh, <laughs> I did not remember that at all until you started singing it, and then I mean, we were just having this conversation. A friend of mine and I in the dressing room. It's like the fucking songs that we do not remember exist oh, yeah. until you hear the first three guitar notes, and then you know every lyric, every fucking bridge, every goddamn part of it. And that was one for me. <laughs> Thank How did you, they get Kate. locked in there? I don't understand. No idea. Yeah. Those 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 two uh, wily Germans wound their way into our hearts with their 
uh, athleisure wear. Those dance moves. Oh, those bike shorts. That's all I remember is bike shorts. On the movie front, uh, the number one movie was Black Rain, starring Michael Douglas. Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Andy Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Black Rain. Yeah, uh, and this will continue to be the number one movie for a little while, so get used to it. Rewatch it. <laughs> right. uh, learn to love it. I'm I just, sorry, everyone. Wow. That's Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Oh, yeah. Of course it's Ridley Scott. Yeah, the-, the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, introduced the NC-17 rating oh. uh, during this time period. Does anyone remember what the first NC-17 movie was? I'm going to guess Ooh. Fatal Attraction. Ooh, good, good guess. No. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't have one. I just know Jimmy's wrong. <laughs> uh, it was Henry and June. Oh, oh that yes. one's great. I know, right? Fred what a word. It is a, dirtier, too. It is dirty, yeah. though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on television, the day before this uh, aired, uh, Saturday Night Live aired their 15th anniversary special, which feels uh, wow. kind of crazy that they were already 15 years into things. I taped uh, that. Oh. I had it on VHS and I rewatched the hell out of that special nice because i didn't you know obviously i didn't get to see any of this 1970s uh, early 80s stuff yeah uh and i loved it it was like that was my introduction to fandom for for snl and i've been watching it like every week ever since nice yeah it was such a good special what what, what sticks out the uh tanny Graham and the, the, <laughs> the shark coming the shark. to bite it. it's like they, they smashed up all of these they didn't show the entire sketch they just sold the best joke yeah. of each sketch and it was enough to jog people's memories but also as me as a young kid just being like oh that's an L it's always funny it never falls flat <laughs> the puppeteer that made the land shark had uh a regional theater upstate during the summers and I auditioned for him in his workshop in the West Village like weird 17 years ago and right inside the door are some of his biggest puppets including the land shark up by the sea wow and you know he just invites you to take a look around and it's all these fucking world famous puppets including so cool the original land sharks right there inside the door that's amazing did you get to go and get eaten by it no <laughs> uh in births brie larson was born uh this oh, week yes we are, we are old we are. And uh, finally, in gossip, Jaja Gabor was convicted for slapping a police officer in Good Beverly for Hills. You, Jaja. Yes, Jaja. An early adopter of ACAB. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we all believe it to this day. Yeah. Jimmy, what was going on in this, the production? I know we've mentioned a few of them before. We yeah, yeah. Well, you but, know. Uh, Larry Nemesik is a crumb bum. <laughs> he had nothing to say about the start of the third season, if you can believe it. That fucking crumb bum. What oh. a jerk. Uh, but I, I will say a couple of production notes that I just yes, haven't hit on. please do. Which was, these are the introduction of two-piece uniforms for the third season. They had had spandex... Oh, one piece slow down. uniforms for season one and season two. The cast so universally a, hated them. Is this yeah. the first season where Picard starts doing his doing his maneuver? Tucking, like he does his maneuver thing where he's like, Who's in it down? I just assumed it was always there. He's Should always we, doing it. We're on microphone here. And while yes. I appreciate they can't see me. You're working in that out. <laughs> what? Yeah. This is really well, good though. This is bad. This is really good. I am a sight humorist. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You're more of a yeah. from practicing my Jimmy craft. and Carrot Top. <laughs> 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 
put my bag away. But the thing that I noted out of having the two-piece <laughs> uniforms, and other than the fact that they are not spandex and they're not uncomfortable anymore, they're made out of wool, uh, so they just didn't hurt as much, but they really liked that they could go to the bathroom yeah. without having to take off the entire one-piece suit. It's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah. Who? Who in particular? <laughs> Riker. Uh, yeah. Riker needed to <laughs> drop the row a lot. Uh, there was oh, also... I thought we were talking penis sex. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was going That's the real reason he's always maneuvering his shirt. He's <laughs> got to adjust. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Uh, there's also a new opening uh, in the opening credits. The voiceover is the same, we determined, right? I mean, I could not find anyone to agree with me on that, but having <laughs> listened to every moment of it back and forth like seven times, yes. I'm, I'm going to say it's the same voiceover with different visuals. Canon. 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 And, canon. And, and a more rich soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb, though, and say I actually like the older version of the animation. Even though it's not as well uh, crafted, I th- I liked the way it starts from Earth and goes through the like parts of the solar system that we know. But in the opening, it's more like nebulas, blah, 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 things that you don't necessarily have any uh, relation to as a Earthling. Right, but they're not in that uh, part of the galaxy hardly ever in the show. So. Sure. I'm going to go, I'm going to disagree and say that I like the better one better. <laughs> I also like the better one better. Yeah. I like neither of them, <laughs> as well as I like all of you. Uh, so oh, there is a, a really important uh, guest star that we have to talk about here, Eric. We do. This episode, Evolution. Yes. yes, as we know, this is the one that features Chief of Medicine, Bob Kelso, <laughs> uh, who has joined the Enterprise staff in order to do his research on this binary star system. Yes, Ken Jenkins is the name of this actor who we all know, Dr. Bob Kelso, Chief of Medicine on the American comedy series Scrubs, Mm. airing from 2001 to 2009. I used to drive by the hospital set of this show when I was working for America's Next Top Model as a fucking gopher shit heel asshole in the editing bay who just watched the raw footage and wrote down what happened in 30-second chunks. This is what happened these fucking 30 seconds. They talked about this bullshit. For this 30 seconds, they talked about this bullshit. And on the way to and from that job, I had to, like, look at a big bustling set full of happy people. (laughs) (laughs) Was this in Jersey? No, this was in uh, Hollywood. We were living in North Hollywood driving to some fucking place on Sepulveda. I don't fucking remember. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, I drive by. Working actors. This got Ken Jenkins. Let's talk about this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Born in Dayton, Ohio, uh, which I fucking love. I spent a lot of time in good old Dayton, Ohio uh, and Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) Uh, He's done an awful lot of television over his time, but he started out at the Actors Theatre of Louisville as a company member from 1969 to 1973 under the direction of the legendary John Jory. Then he moved to New York City and did a ton of theater thereafter, but then quietly started making his way through small parts, as we mentioned earlier, in every bureaucratic situation you might find on screen in television or film. He plays 
you know, assholes in the military. He plays assholes at hospitals. He plays assholes at schools. He plays assholes in the police department. <laughs> All of them over-officious and wonderfully condescending. That's been his niche since he started. And in this particular instance, we get a golden version of it, as we will discuss very soon. He can also sing and play the acoustic guitar. There you go, hey Ken Jenkins, our friend <laughs> on the Enterprise. Friend of the podcast. That's right. He, really he doesn't know it, but we trust him Wait, with our very lives. Is he still alive? I don't know. Yeah, no, Ken's still alive. <laughs> he was born way back in 1940, but he's still kicking. Uh, have no idea what he's up to these days. Let's move forward. He is the uh, nemesis in Star Trek Acid Party. I don't know if you guys gotten Ooh. that far by the end, but they end up putting, you know, getting some kind of an end. It's all this from this episode where it's not just him; it's his sparks <laughs> that are the oh. evil. And then so they use a lot of actually scenes from this episode, which we will now get to. It starts really cinematically. I actually really love this opening shot where it's a slow pan over what's happening with Wesley Crusher's uh, experiments. We get his face. He's, he's laying so sleepy. Down. He's sleepy. He's a sleepy little caterpillar. The poor lighting does not do well for his skin in this this oh, particular shot. He's yeah. seventeen, you <laughs> bastards. Yeah, he up. That's a greasy. That's a greasy kid. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of peaks and valleys. You can kind of see the uh, Will Wheaton that will be. <laughs> you can see him departing that cherub little kid with the. Fresh skin's like, oh, I see why you have a beard now. Oh, he's got great hair, though, in the, starting in this really season. Like, it's got that pompadour that I'm all about. And I'm just, yeah. And and now, finally, a two-piece uh, uniform, which is amazing. Yeah, with, like, the <laughs> little handles on the waist, though, right? Like, there's his pants. They pick him up and they yeah. just carry him around. <laughs> <laughs> Taking places. Well, what I like about this scene, too, is also that it sets up the entire plot. Like, that he fell asleep here. But you don't know that as the audience member. You just think, oh, this is a neat kind of slice of life moment when you're when you're watching. Oh, I, I forgot to set my alarm. Riker gives him a little bit of a dressing down and calls him up to the bridge. I mean, but it's more than I forgot to set my alarm. Like, he's asleep in his, like, homework lab place, not even his bedroom. He's, he's pulling an all-nighter in the lab as a anxiety-ridden... Uh, fucking and late for work. Gold star, A plus kid who's being torn in twelve directions. He's late for his work. He's late study. for work. Right, and just before we move on, I I thought that the opening of the show was amazing. Like it struck me that it looked better than I'd ever remembered, and it seemed like this is a top tier show. Like it was mm -hmm. an opening of like, hey, we've had good reviews. We're we're hitting it. We're the number one sci fi show. And we're investing in it. And I don't know if that's post, like this is something that came out with a DVD and they made it better. But when I watched the rewatch, I, I was immediately struck like this is better than any of the openings uh, in the first two seasons. Well, but also like if they redid these for the DVD, you'd think they would have done the first two seasons for the first too. Two, right? so, like yeah, I, yeah. I assume that you're right. It's just the budget went through the roof along with the technical capabilities that were you know, exponentially yeah. getting better year after year. Uh, but I was struck too. I'm like that the first time they showed that binary star system, I'm like, oh, we're spending money now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right. much money. Right. That looks Those good. aren't Christmas tree lights. <laughs> 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 no, I love that. It was a home soil reference there. Um, 
So yeah, then he comes up to the bridge. I love that the guy, there's a guy filling in for Wesley and then he like just leaves and we never see him again. It's like, oh. Riker gives him such a great, like, my eyes are on you too, like gives him a point as he walks in, which also just speaks to their relationship. Yeah, I, I love it. Like it's gotten to the point where it's like, Wesley, instead of Wesley. Yeah, right. And that's what a lot of this episode is about, right? Because it's it, we get to see his mother come back and find out who oh, he is, right. and is he not being a teenager enough? And so, the, right, the cast definitely is starting to be like, oh, he, he's just our, he's going through some times, yeah, uh, and changing in his body. We'll learn more about that. And when the Hellsman got up to make way for Wesley, I don't know who the director was, but it was bad blocking because uh-huh. there was almost no room between him and Doctor Stubbs. And you, I don't know if like Stubbs is like, don't touch me <laughs> because the actor was very awkward trying to get in between the two of them. And you know, if you're, he should have reacted to it. The, <laughs> the actor getting in the way should have let us know that, you know, it wasn't bad blocking. It was, uh, oh, this is awkward that, um, you're really close to me and I can't get through here, but he just, you know, does an awkward sideways, uh, pass between them and goes to the. To the turbo lift, although I assume the director is like, just get out of there. Go, go, just go. go. Yeah. Just but we go. want to watch you leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to spend uh, 30 seconds I'm very excited you. to go back and watch that. Well, and you mentioned directing. So uh, I think this is a new team of uh, folks, right? Where we, we At the end of last season, we were talking we lost, about how so. we lost a lot of the staff. They turned over. Uh, the teleplay was by Michael Piller from a story by Michael Piller and Michael Wagner. And directed by Winrick Colby. New names for us. We haven't heard uh, these these folks before, so maybe that's part of this feeling a little bit different. Is that it's got uh, you know some new artists who are tackling the visual look of this. Did you say his name was Winrick. Winrick. Yeah, Winrick. Yeah, I like him. Like he was the one who was like, we got to get Wunderkind in here. Let's write it in. It's my people. Uh, as well as baseball. They mentioned baseball in this episode. We'll get A to lot. It. I know. Oh, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, strange. Speaking how much past time. Come on. Uh, so then, right. Like you, in Japan. Too. Like you mentioned, Stubbs is there on the bridge. He's doing his smug, smiley look at his plan that's about to happen. And they have uh, an interaction with uh, Crusher and uh, him about what's going on. So the plan is, he's been waiting 196 years. Uh, well, he's not personally been waiting, but he, he knows that there is a phenomenon that's gonna occur in this binary star system that will release a whole bunch of energy. And then he's gonna use that to do a whole bunch of astrophysicist experiments. And if they screw everything up, it's they have to wait another 196 years. Writing tip for young writers out there. Never let people know that this only happens <laughs> Like once every 169 years until you get to the point where you might not be able to do it. Because as soon as they say that, you're like, oh, okay, so you might not be able to do this. You're tipping your hat right away. Just hold off. It's because you're too smart, Jimmy. It's it's true. I am smarter than my daughter. Jimmy has watched TV. I know. Data says there's only 18 hours left. But that's when things start to go wonky. The inertial dampeners. <laughs> <laughs> they have very specific equipment in this episode. Because they have a gamma thing. It's like very, it's, that's all it does. Get the gamma radiation dispersal unit out. <laughs> Which is how 
they join the MCU. Yes. Exactly, right? They, they create yes. Hulk in the They do. I, do. I went on a whole fucking Marvel Universe gamma, like, sidebar when they started talking about that. I'm like, how much of that shit is real? Then, like, how did Marvel, like, focus so hard into gamma? Anyway, thank you both for <laughs> that. Let's continue. We went on that journey. Right, yeah. so the, everything gets messed up. They gotta, they're, they're, they're falling over. There's a lot of, I want to say, pretty bad pratfalls oh, yeah. in this episode oh, yeah. from Dr. Kelso. Dr. Kelso does the first bad pratfall, and then he, like, lays down on his stomach. <laughs> yes. And then he, like, half sits up and then lays back down on his stomach. And I, his face isn't even to the camera. So, like, you really could have just dressed anybody's body double in a, in a different wig and had someone actually throw themselves against the wall <laughs> instead of having this, I'm, I'm very sorry, Dr. Kelso, this aged man slowly <laughs> lay himself down onto the carpet twice. Which, twice. And it seems like it's a back injury by the time they, because they, they lay him down again on his stomach in the yeah. med room. It's, it's... I just know that everybody was probably really sore the next day. Yeah. From all of that ab workout. It was it, it just had a feel of laziness. <laughs> somebody was lazy and I don't know who it was. But somebody I'm gonna blame Winrick. Winrick's fault. Winrick. Winrick. Yeah. My my favorite part was when he's up against the wall of the set and then he rolls back the other way. Yeah. And then rolls back the I was like, it just doesn't feel real to me. Uh, but again, none of it feels real well, when you're That's because someone was right. smacking the camera with a Nerf bat. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun, though. Um, I don't know if you saw this show, Eric, in, in New York, but the very first um, Dare project we did, I got to play a drag queen. And we're the whole episode, written by Brand Boyce, the whole episode is in an elevator. And as we're coming down, the elevator gets stopped, and I got to twice do the fake <laughs> jiggle where I'm like, trying to react to the sudden stop uh, and it was loads of fun, especially in heels. Especially in heels. Well, maybe that's what, this is his moment, Dr. Sam. He's like, I always do these bureaucratic things. I never get to roll around. I'm doing my own stunts. Uh, too bad, just because it doesn't look good. Sorry, man. They talk a lot about uh, what's happening here. They got to get the shields back up. They finally do. Things go back to normal. Stubbs is like clinging to the rail, being like, is everything okay? But he doesn't, you know, doesn't say much to his credit. Um, other guest stars of ours have tried to you know, sure. put put in their two cents here, but he lets them do what they have to do. They get it back to normal. Riker's like, oh my gosh, he's, he's, he's dying. Uh, they get him to sit back. <laughs> That's where we see Dr. Beverly Crusher. With almost no pomp or, or circumstance. No, no, but they have a Zero. no, but they have a great reveal. Yeah, because her head is turned away, yeah. and so they have that guess that classic uh, love boat right. reveal. Yes, right? that's where, a perfect analogy. Yes, where she they're revealing the that, camera. and she turns to the camera, and it's like, "Hello, did you miss me?" Yeah. I hated and I it. Did. And you just brought that up, and now I love it. <laughs> <laughs> The love boat reveal is an absolute <laughs> perfect analogy of that reveal. Yeah. I loved it. It did actually feel uh, like they built it up the right way, even though there wasn't a lot of like, well, who's medical officer now? Like, we don't get any of that. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, right. And it feels like, you know, uh, home. It feels yeah. like this is what the Enterprise needs. Right. And I buy 
the explanation of like, of course she was there for a year, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, they don't have to dig too deep to be like, oh uh, yes, I recovered from that Angosian flu that I got in uh, <laughs> right. the turbo lift the but other day. I was disappointed with the reveal only less so now because of the <laughs> analogy. But uh, they make a big deal about how long she was away right. later in the show. So that sort of takes away from the point of it's fine that she was gone for a year. And, you know, whatever, whoever that last doctor was, we don't find out what happened to her. Right. And then she gets back on the Enterprise. I want to know that. I want to see that transition in that that process mm-hmm. and not just, she's back. Because it's obviously because they screwed up. Right. They, they bumped her off of the show. They realized they need Beverly right. back. So they brought her back and it's like, we're going to bring you back, but we're not going to admit that we were right. fucking assholes <laughs> of getting rid of you. So that, that's what it felt like to me. It was like, yeah. it was a glossing over of the producer's mistake of even letting her go. Yeah. For well, sure. They don't even mention Pulaski's name. Still, right. To, like, it's never mentioned again, as if she didn't exist. Yeah. The other one. Why, there hasn't been a Pulaski on this ship for 500 years. <laughs> the last time we had the worst episode in Star Trek history. <laughs> Um, so the important part of this scene is this is where they set up a lot of themes of what, what's all going to happen here. But the most important part for me is that Stubbs is getting his, his butt looked at. Like, I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> the fact that he's laying on his stomach, you know, leaning up is like very, you know, <laughs> proctology. Um, and then, uh, so there's some choice words because Wesley Crusher comes in yes. and informs them that, oh, we fixed everything. Everything's fine. Your experiment's going to be cool. I love that he reveals more than is necessary. Uh, I don't know if he's got like a truth serum that they shot up his butt, <laughs> right. but like when he goes, starts talking about his own mother and she was a woman of letters. And like, he just, like, I expected his mom to show up on the <laughs> ship with how important they sort of made this. I guess it's so you understand why he is the way he is, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the and the uh, contrast of what's going to happen to Wesley. Like, I feel like right. Stubbs is now a um, a, a cautionary tale uh, for Wesley. Uh, but we also get a little bit like, oh, mom's returning. I don't know if I would want my mom watching me. And, you know, I will just say. Fair enough. There's, there's a moment we'll talk about later on, mm. um, but I'm just going to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> later on is here. Yeah. Uh, uh, once they're all like sort of, they've all been sent to their quarters and she calls him and says, I stopped by and you're not there. Rules are rules, you know? And I'm just like, fuck you. I'm an officer. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind of shit that I would not want and, to have going on. And she does that. After this scene that we're talking about now, where she initially says, why doesn't he break more rules? Right. And, like, that that's the one that gets me in this. Like, mm. she brings this up several times throughout, and everybody else is like, yeah, when I was 17, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy, here's the question I have yeah. for you <laughs> in particular. Having, <clears throat> having grown up in a military-type situation... Did they want the teens to be breaking all the laws and getting up to shenanigans and getting caught doing things like, say, letting out uh, <laughs> evolutionary manites? <laughs> uh, yeah, it that that no, they did not. No, and it of doesn't course, seem military, maybe. right? Of course, it's you know, whatever you are in the military, you're still an individual, right? However much they try to take that out of you, 
uh, especially the longer you're in the military. But um, I can tell you from personal experience, like I got in trouble a couple of times with the law. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just the kid who gets in trouble. I had to go in with my dad Oof. in front of his commanding officer oh. to say that my son did so and so or such and such. And now we have to do this. I have to take off work. So it is a direct reflection Ooh. on your parent who's right. in the military. So, And you feel that as a kid. Like you feel that my actions reflect up and uh, it can, you know, for some kids that didn't matter and their parents, I, I saw some parents' careers end because of the actions of their, their children. So it would be a pretty big deal. But what if you were a dork like Wesley? <laughs> <laughs> then you're excused. Then they're like, it's gotta kind be of like, he might be like a super general or something. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, on the on the officer track. You right. you I dare say we're not on the officer track. Uh, nor was my father. No. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. There's a there's a really lovely moment though in this because we're we've sort of moved on to this next scene with uh with Crusher and Picard. Right. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of weird things happen with the yeah. computer, but those, uh, right. She comes and confronts. I'm sure. Me. I'm sure that won't come back. <laughs> There's just this really I took as a poignant actor moment where Picard says to her, "I know how difficult it was being away," and there's this moment that passes between the two characters that also felt laden with sort of like, "Hey, kid, yeah, that sucked. How are you?" And she takes a good moment to be like, "Yeah," and then and then sort of proceeds forward. But I saw that as like the moment of like, "This is our only recognition of the fact that you were gone and that it right. sucked and was stupid." Yeah. Yeah, but he had two great actors. Right, exactly. Like, and like you said, the writers didn't really give it no. to him. It was the actors who made that moment. I Again, I'm also really happy that like this year and next year are the two years that uh, uh, Diana Muldar was nominated for Emmys on her new show. So like that, that <laughs> I hadn't known that at the time. So I, I do kind of think it's win-win-win. Right. Like, oh, around. yeah. She was great. What they yeah. did with her character yeah, was writers, terrible. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, this is the only real reference too of like what they lost, what Picard and Crusher lost in that year. Right. I wish they'd gone into that a little bit more. They kind of gloss over any romance that they have until much later right. in the in the in the series. Uh, my favorite part of that scene, though, is. And this is a very writerly thing, being like, oh, he's a great officer. He's a wonderful... No, tell me about my son. Like, who is he as a person? Because I feel like I was gone for that year. Uh, I only wish that the writers referenced, well, I got to spend, uh, you know, one trip on him on a, on a shuttlecraft, and I hated it, but I actually, you know, had a brawn with, with your son, yeah. and he's got all these great things. I wish they had kind of done what they started to do at the end of season two, where they referenced older yeah. uh, episodes, so that you can feel that progression a little bit more. But it's a really cool moment. He did say, that, you know, she said, how is he? And he said, he's his father's son, brave, loyal, and strong. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't those all three apply to me too? Maybe Captain, it, could he be his mother's son? <laughs> oh, right. oh, right. Like I'm standing right the fuck in front no, of you. That's a good point. <clears throat> all Gets right. all of his strength from <laughs> from my his dad. Uterus. My that's a 1989 uh, yeah. frame of mind. Right? I mean, it's a yeah. kind thing to say, but it's also like I'm I'm those things too. Yeah, Should but that's be, what I mean. That's before yeah. social emotional learning. Like you right. don't. Uh, you're not thinking about that. Alan Alda would have been thinking about you it. You know what? You're right. He would have actually inserted that in there. Same. Can anybody do an Alan Alda impression right now? 
No. God, I mean, well, just luckily we have our one. guest, Alan Alden. <laughs> <laughs> if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, while all this scene is going on, it's when uh, Doc Dobbs and Wesley have their moment looking at the egg. Wunderkind. And this is where Wunderkind <laughs> is mentioned, which seems, I made fun of it in the intro because it does feel like a inserted writerly type of thing to include uh, here. And it doesn't feel natural at all. But I do like the comparison of, of Stubbs's potential, as he says, and Wesley's potential <laughs> and how... You know, uh, that's a burden. It can be when you're a gifted kid. For I legit was like, oh, my God, yes. Growing up in the gifted and talented or in the other school I was in, the talented and gifted, because why not? <laughs> there is that fucking pressure the rest of your life to live up to like I won the math a thon right. <laughs> when I was in third grade and I should keep that up. And they're like, you're going to do great. And you're like, but I, it's, I'm, I'm 43. <laughs> great coming. Hey, you're doing great. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, We're all doing hey, really great. Who's doing good? <laughs> I just love that the way they treated the whole Wonderkin thing in this is he literally said, "It's a you know, it's a whole Wonderkin thing." You know what that word means? He goes, "No, it's German for Wonderkin." <laughs> I'm like at least go like Wonderkin, yeah, like at right. least make it sound fucking weird right. and not like Wonderkin twice. Like, come on, Wonder Boy. <laughs> How many of you thought of season two of Ted Lasso though? Too with this scene because that's what uh, Nate does. He mispronounces. Wonder Kid, and then the reporter calls him out for it. I was like, oh, amazing. Yet another time where Star Trek inspired the future. Um, I have not yet watched Ted Lasso. They also die at the end. There's Good. a ship. <laughs> Everything needs to end with darkness and death. Because that's um, the way it works. You will never come a greater adversary than your own potential. Um, it's a good line in there and uh, especially with the dash between Poe and Tenchel. Yeah, He definitely did Accentuate the Poe. Oh, yeah. Too much. Red alert. Red alert sounds. <laughs> I love what Wesley's like, you got to get to your quarters, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. things are about to go down. I know one thing is Starfleet officer. When the red lights come on, you got to go to your, you got to go to your quarters. You're not on the bridge. Red light means bad light. <laughs> <laughs> Show me on this. Not like in Amsterdam. Yes. <laughs> it's very different. Uh, so right, the wharf on the bridge basically thinks that there's something happening. There's sensors. There's a Borg ship. A Borg. It's it's getting intense. I oh. sort of secretly wondered if no Riker was on a different ship, uh, doing some maneuvers uh, to make them think that another ship was coming mm. their way. I remember that episode. Thank you. From yeah. two episodes. I, yes. From two episodes. It's the only reason I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be screwed. Um, <laughs> My only note there is like I wanted to see it on the view screen. Like I think they should have seen it on the view screen so they really like you know hammer home that it was an illusion. Like they all thought it was real. Um, but right. It's just described. The Enterprise doesn't have that kind of technology. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, but that's where things start to really go nuts. So they're not really sure what's going on. Uh, they start to do different things. Uh, reporting that the controls are unresponsive. The shields can't come up. They're gonna. They're shooting at us. Oh wait. Just kidding. And then they start to be like, oh, this mission's in serious problems. <laughs> we don't know if we can take care of Mr. Stubbs and his experiment anymore. The computer starts playing chess with no one. 
That's that was intense. I literally just did that when I walked past your chessboard upstairs. Started playing with yeah. that one. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't think it made any sense. It's kind of like playing with against my kids. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty over here. Yeah. Or Jimmy. Uh, so then they, they, this is more conference room scene is next where Stubbs is there with all the senior officers and they're like, what are we going to do? And this is where Stubbs' officiousness really comes off as like, oh, screw you, man. Yeah. Like he, he yells at Counselor Troy for trying to talk about his feelings and all that noise. What did you guys think of his, like his, his little smarmy smiling act? Oh, yeah. Is over at this point. He's smarly. 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 Yeah. I like that. But it's a jerk. Good. He says to her, turn off your beam mm-hmm. into my soul. I will share the feelings I want to share, which I actually kind of love. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I I think if it was done with kind of a smile, I'd be like, well, this guy's got a neat sense of humor. And, and a really good point. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. But the way he did it is so, like, grandiose. Oh, yeah. That it's just, he's so clearly this classic narcissist that will, you know, skin you alive if it'll give him a dollar fifty and he needs a right. cab ride. Um so yes. I guess what I'm saying is I also love him unreservedly. Well and just that <laughs> he goes straight to the I'd rather die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he is a big He's old so drama big. queen. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was I love the line. I I I stopped the show so I could write. It's like I thought uh he was rude but right. Yeah. And I wondered was yeah. this a reaction? by the writers to like fan criticism mm-hmm. of Troy is like, it's really invasive that right. she's like telling everybody how you feel internally. Like that's not okay. Um, and he's absolutely right. He's like, don't look into my brain. Uh, it's invasive, but he, I mean, he was a total dick about well, it. Well, then right? he left the room and Picard's like, all right, what'd you see in his brain? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. but then Picard gets a little gist on her too. He's like, yeah, even yeah, I, I could have picked yeah. up on that one. Give us some A material he's, here. He's upset. <laughs> Is he now? Yeah. Thank you yeah. so yeah. much. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> we got he likes this. big words. <laughs> oh, God. So then we go back to engineering. LaFord just uh, trying to figure out what's going on here. The counselor goes to talk to Stubbs, too, to try to smooth over their rough interaction. And he's having nothing nothing for it. He does not want her to assuage him at all. Mm-hmm. He's just like, get out. Uh, and eventually, LaForge is like, oh, it looks like if I didn't know better, <laughs> I'd say that this computer, uh, which they also mentioned has never, uh, there's never been catastrophic computer failure in 79 years. years. 79 years. Damn it. We all were <laughs> close enough. Uh, but I thought that, I wonder if that was a nod to the original series. Because mm. isn't that about yeah, that 79 is about the years? Time. Oh, so they're the last ones to fuck it up. Yeah. It's probably an episode <laughs> there. Fucking Enterprises, man. Uh, they screw a lot of shit up. Um, but then LaForge basically says the line, if I didn't know better, it looks as if something is taking it apart. Right. And Wesley's like, aha. Yeah. From the I wrote, I wrote in bold, Wesley looks really guilty. Yeah, I know, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, did you guys watch Army of Thieves? Not yeah. yet. Not yet. It's super fun. Oh, and, great. But there's there's one moment where he gulps by saying gulp. <laughs> and the people with him call him on it. And it's just, I, I thought of it when I watched that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite running jokes of uh, Story Pirates. It's a, uh, a podcast for kids, but they do things. And they whenever someone's like, <gasps> they always say, gasp! <laughs> I love that it shit. It makes me laugh so yeah. much. Uh, so then we go to 10 Forward. Wesley's laying traps. Apparently, yeah. ant traps are all you right. need yep. to catch nanites. Right. 
and we got a great scene with Guinan. I'm so glad that she is here oh, me too. in this yeah. premiere. Absolutely. She's got some great zingers like she's known for about her friend uh, who, you know, also let loose some uh, science experiments. His name was Dr. Frankenstein. I like the fact she she just really like I have I've never been good at being confined to quarters. Just ask my husband's. Yes. Yeah. Right. So good. Yep. And also note she doesn't say ex-husbands. No. Nope. Mm. She has lots of kids. And yeah. Only one of them was ever a problem. And she fixed that several hundred years. I love I love that moment, too, when yeah. she says, you know, he wouldn't listen. And he goes, oh, that's what happens with kids. And she goes, not when it's a species who listens. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. The Allorians. Uh, when they first went into that scene and Wesley was duck behind the bar, I was so hoping that that guy was just going to pop up. Like, yes. Yes. In the, yeah. the yeah. scene. <laughs> she's uh, just been there the whole time. <laughs> right? But I was glad that she was at the end of the bar anyways, because it's always fun when she's around. Yeah. Um, this is where they have the moral scene and they're like, you know, what should we do? Should we tell anybody? And he, Wesley, I like that they realize, oh, I'm the one who's going to tell yeah. what it is when I know that it's true. And he doesn't actually, he still is uh, his mom who tells on him basically, but we'll get to that. Uh, the only thing I don't like about that scene, even though it is a good button to her Frankenstein line, I kind of wish they had cut it after yeah. that I because was, we get yeah. kind of saying, well, so did Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> because the line before that is because she says, are you going to get a good grade? And he says, I always get an A, yeah. which is a great leaving line. It exactly. They should have and he says it in a mopey way. Yeah, I know. Like it's, he's like, that's my cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> Only me and Stubbsy gets that. He's also a wonder kid. <laughs> He's a wonder kid too. What does that mean? <laughs> Take out the in at the end. It's just the same fucking word. Uh, so <laughs> on the bridge, they have to do a manual restart, which, as everyone knows, when you, there's computer problems, you just got to turn it on. Uh, turn yes. Open the, <laughs> the, the little door in the floor. There's the yeah. chain. So they just, turn like, off the Enterprise. <laughs> And so they think everything's going to find. They're going to run the experiment. They're going to throw the egg out there and let everything go. But the shuttle bay door doesn't open. I also do like the the sound effect. The shuttle bay doors is consistent. Like the... But it doesn't happen this time. Instead, the sound that we get is... Stars and Stripes Forever by John Philip Sousa, which is a great anachronism. There's tons of those references to the 20th century in this episode. Uh, But I just love that it's this loud band music playing and they have to deal with it. Yeah, that's pretty stellar. (laughs) I don't like brass music, so I hated it. I don't like Sousa's. The Sousa phone is right out. Um, But I love how Adeta is saying, like, it is this, it is this piece. And Picard is like, yeah, I know. Everyone knows John Philip Sousa, you idiot. <laughs> uh, and they shut off power to the bridge. It's really in danger. They're really not sure if they're yeah. going to be able to pull this off, Stubbsy. So let's talk about baseball. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this feels weird. This yeah. second season, uh, the second scene where <laughs> him and Wesley are talking about this, it does have a good ending line, though. So I'm almost like give it a pass for that. But like, why would they go so much into baseball and explaining the rules and, mm-hmm. and all this crap? It feels like too many references to the 20th century yeah. happening. And this 
was was underlying. Is that what you guys thought? Oh, I like. There's another line I thought in that scene that was great when he Stubbs says, "I could live with failure." Oh, maybe not. It was a great line, and he did it perfectly, yeah. where he says it in his pompous thing, and then he just can't help himself, yeah. and then corrects himself. Uh, and then I wrote down too much baseball talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he talks about because because Wesley asks him like, "Well, do you?" relive these games on the holodeck and he says something like people like us don't need holodecks there so there's this like and then wesley gave a knowing smile right yes i am also smarter than everyone else (laughs) that's what i wear my silver ski suit that's what the traveler told me it does seem like it I thought it was going to be like uh, the movie Signs where they talk about the baseball for so long that, that finally like that's how they get rid of the aliens, right? Mm. Is you you hit it with a baseball bat. Spoilers. But I thought that it was going to come into play more more easily. Like that yeah. it's only if we steal home that we can get, you know. Right. What we need. Hitting the cutoff man comes into play. I bet so you we, we, can only, for that. we can only launch the egg if we use a, a long uh, bludgeon type <laughs> object that needs a particular uh, oh, amount of strength. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, like, yeah. uh, I agree. It does. I mean, as much as I'm a fan of baseball, it definitely didn't feel right. But that last line on account of rain, right. you know, kind of does make a nice button to this scene. That's true. You could have probably had two minutes less of baseball talk and still been very successful. You could have just line. walked in, had Wesley stand next to him, and then had the guy go, sometimes you win the game, sometimes you lose the game, sometimes it rains. And then you're done. Boom. Boom. That's red yeah. pen editing, my friends. <laughs> yeah. Going all the way. They talked about how the egg, you know, it's the egg that Stubbs laid. There's a lot of weird metaphors. I know. I don't like the, and it doesn't look like an egg. Let's just be clear. It's true. Yeah. And they don't actually. Riker really... knew that when he went, Will you please prepare to launch <laughs> the, the egg? egg. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows this is a dumb thing. <laughs> um, so then Wesley's still frantically working. He knows he feels like he's, you know, his new adult friend. He's, he's, you know, hurting him by not letting this experiment happen. So he's frantically working. And that's when his mom comes in and is like, hey, what, now is the time to connect, right? Let me pick the one moment when you're so stressed out about failing in your duty. Let's have a mom and, and, and son chat, shall we? And I love that his, it's not like, I don't want your life. It's, I'm a Starfleet officer. Yeah. God, mom. <laughs> Got responsibilities. <laughs> but then that's when Dr. Beverly Crusher figures out it's all these nanites that Wesley finally says, I've made a big mistake. And then we cut, it's kind of almost like a smash cut right to the conference room where they're telling Stubbs and the rest of the staff Oh, by the way, this is Wesley's fault. Sometimes you need your mom to just open the door and yeah. and start the bad news process with the rest of the ship. We move now very quickly uh, between now and and resolution. I think largely because of the little sidetrack we took with baseball. <laughs> now we got to speed the fuck up. Now it's hockey from now to the end of the fucking uh, show. Uh, but then this becomes, they don't mention the prime directive in this, but it does feel like a prime directive mm. moral quandary all of a sudden where they're like, well, that's true. I, I didn't even think about that. And I'm so glad they didn't. Right. Because it is about what do we do with an intelligent life form? Mm-hmm. And Stubbs is like, he makes a pretty good point here. Well, where he's like, how many viruses have you destroyed in your lifetime, doctor? 
And she doesn't have a response. She does not respond to that and does seem to make sense. But then he's also like, these are not intelligent. They're just bugs. You know, we exterminate them. That's what we do. Robot bugs. My favorite kind of bug. <laughs> yeah, insecticons. <gasps> second favorite. I forgot. I've got one up yes, there. you do. <laughs> the tiny guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick him up in a second. Oh. Um, but yeah, I love those insecticons. They're infected. And we have to figure out how to get them out of the out of the computer core. They're trying to exercise as much caution as possible. They do say we could just kill them all with gamma radiation, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> yes. We're going to see the what we can do. gamma inoculation device that they have. <laughs> They're just ready to go. It's like they went to yeah. uh, some big box store and they got that one device. It, it only does one thing, <laughs> but you got to leave it on the counter. Yeah. Um, and they've had so many, they also mentioned this, they've had so many generations, they're eating the the materials that make up the computer core, so they've got a plentiful food supply, and they're just replicating, 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 so that's why their evolution has is, is traveled so fast and so short of a time. There is a little bit of science jargon about that. Um, and then, again, Stubbs is just saying that they should just kill them all, and then they all just leave the room and leave Stubbs there, which I think is the best snubbing that we've seen on Star Trek uh, so far. Yeah. I wanted a little moment for him to just go, you shoot him with gamma radiation. <laughs> <laughs> it's <just> so yeah. <laughs> salty. <Yeah. laughs> um, this, this, that particular scene is used in uh, Star Trek Acid Party again because he farts and then everybody leaves the <laughs> Which is very good. Awesome. Uh, uh, of course. Um, so they are now that we get a new set. We've never yeah. seen this set before. The computer core. There's lots of OSHA unimproved ladders in that room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And we see stubs go down it. I swear the metal of the ladder bends. Oh, very unapproved. <laughs> it's not strong. Kids shouldn't play on it, let alone adults. But he's basically uh, says, yeah, I know gamma radiation will kill them. I got it right here. Pew, pew, and he takes out his uh, phaser-looking thing and shoots one part of the, the core, killing all the nanites in it, which immediately fucks everything Fucking up. sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. He takes it upon his, his own to kill the nanites, and they retaliate immediately. Picard and uh, Riker are in the ready room, and they... Do you smell a change? Farts. <laughs> it was the farts. Is that an acid party? It is in that too. Yeah, it totally is. They, use, they literally use this part. Um, but I do like that, that. Like, okay, the nanites are like, we're, we're. This is danger. Next thing we're gonna do, we're gonna mess with uh, the chemical compounds in your air purifiers and make it poison, and I'll kill you. Which again, yeah. this is like the uh, holodeck. There should be no way that nitrous oxide oxide could be. Uh, produced it to be distributed. Was it nitrous oxide? I thought oxide? it was carbon dioxide. Because I was going to say, nitrous oxide would be a fun <laughs> way to oh, go yeah, until we go. It's like, make it now. Everybody yeah. starts fishing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Tweaking for 30 seconds. Yeah. What did you see? <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing to poppers to this party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, that was also the scene where uh, Picard name checks Lilliputians. Yes. Another very yeah. 20th century reference in here. So as I'm counting this, it's like it's barely five to ten. Century, yeah. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess it would be 19th century. Thunderkin. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I thought I was the English major. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so yeah, nitri- nitrogen oxide was the compound. Oh, nitrogen oxide. Oh, you were close. You were close. 
It was adjacent. Yeah. Toxic. Well, luckily there's a manual override, which Riker can compress and everything's fine. <laughs> but then you get that scene where Stubbs is brought on to the, the thing and this is the smuggiest <laughs> smug look. He's like, yep, I killed him and I don't care because now your hand is forced. He does not feel bad at all. No, no. He says they are machines with loose screws. And he says this to Data, which is very offensive. Agreed. I thought that was un- underplayed. Yeah. Really well. Because they could have gone like full like, well, what would you say about me? Right. Is this a uh, measure of a man guy coming back to <laughs> argue with me on whether I need to exist or not? They don't go full bore into that, but it's, it's certainly implied. Yeah. Uh, and then I like that Data's like, well, you proved that they have right. feelings. Right. You yeah. proved it by being a psychopath, <laughs> you dick. Right? Murderer. Yeah. Murderer. Because yeah. what is one of the things yeah, of, uh, them. of a definition of life is whether they can uh, respond to stimuli. Well, they just did biatch. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Because <laughs> I was covering, but I'm looking at my notes it while doing long. it. long. Yeah. <laughs> Sustain. Go and have a bite. Come back. Exactly. Uh, but this is where Data also has the wonderful idea, like, maybe I can talk to them. Uh, you know, Picard wants to communicate with these things. They figure out that uh, they can. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, they're losing their window. Picard is about to say, we can't communicate with them and we shouldn't. When Data says, I've, I've done it. I've figured out how to communicate with them in binary. What's up? Why on earth do they have to go into Data? When he then says, okay, now I'll rewire the Universal Translator. I'm like, can't you just rewire the Universal Translator? Like, it doesn't have to be the one in your, like, esophagus. It can be the one in the big computer. I feel like Brent Spiner needed to show that he could do yet another robot voice. It's really good. And it's really good. Because at this point... high-pitched bullshit that he pulls is great. At this point, he's got two androids under his belt, right? And now he's got a third, you know, Nana. I think it was literally just, what can you do? I like it. I like it. Good point. That's enough for me. And we got to see the Nanites go into his skin. We did. Which is very sci-fi. That was fun. All right, I take it Although, all back. I have to say, Worf, yet again, very wisely says we should not put this newly intelligent organism into a Starfleet officer, mm-hmm. yeah. much less data of all Starfleet officers. Right, yeah. uh, and they, of course, ignore him completely. It proves that he probably is the best captain ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, He really is the top Starfleet captain. He's absolutely always got an eye on the big picture. <laughs> And no one else seems to listen. It's really a constant stream of, did you all forget what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, all right, moving forward. Got to keep it. Um, Well, Data's counterpoint to that is that it would be, yes, it's a considerable risk, but it would be a way to show that we're establishing trust, uh, which I don't agree with necessarily. The risk is worth it, but it does, you know, it's a good point. And it probably is what brought them to the table. Uh, also, just making TV, it's a lot more dramatic to have an actor deliver lines than to read text yes. on a screen, uh, especially binary text, which I didn't, I couldn't read it. Maybe all. they didn't have a, what, Magil. She might not have been available. She might not have been available. Oh, right, to record action. voiceover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the I wanted them to do. bring the binars in so they could do <laughs> They were talking in one's nose. Yeah. yeah. They're like baby, nice. ba- baby band 
Binars. <laughs> Baby Binars. <laughs> Baby Binars. <laughs> it's a new spinoff. We're starting it up right now. Um, so, right, we go back to that computer core uh, yes. scene and we get that thing, the weird high-pitched uh, noise. Stubbs is not sorry at all, but he's forced by Picard basically to apologize. It seems to work. They say, we want, we can't be in this stupid ship anymore and we want to relocate. And that's where they come up with the idea to essentially ask Starfleet for a free planet yes. for yeah. them to live on. I like that they say, we have evolved beyond your help, but could you help us move? Yeah. That would be so <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> you got a van? <laughs> Who has a van? Are there any college hunks around here who can help us move? <laughs> uh, of course, before all that is where they actually try to attack Stubbs directly. Yeah. Um, where baseball comes back in. Because you hear the sounds of baseball playing in his head. Because that's what people do. <laughs> like normal people. Like normal we people. Because we're not people like him. Maybe, maybe it's trying to establish that Stubbs is just like super horny and he constantly has to run baseball stats in his head <laughs> to keep himself calmed down. Because yeah. isn't that the trope? Yeah. You know, think of baseball and your grandma. And, right? Yeah. All of that. <laughs> or England. Or England. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you lie back. Oh, that's think right. Of England. Think yes. of England. Yeah. It's, that's when it's unpleasant. <laughs> this scene is also used in the Star Trek Acid Party, too, because at the end of this, when he like wakes up and he looks around, it's also like he a, a fart had woken him up. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> Uh, so right then, after they all apologize and everything's good it seems to kind of resolve itself the egg goes to where it needs to go the computers stop malfunctioning and they get all the data that they need and Stubbs is so happy that he's finally able to fulfill his life's work here we still don't actually know anything about what he's getting out of here but he's, he's just happy as a pig and shit and why it had to be him that says okay launch it because, like, at the beginning, he says, I've checked it a thousand times. Mm. So, like, at this point, we don't need this fucker. Lock him in his room. Right. <laughs> He's checked it a thousand times. Fuck him. Yeah. Done. We'll send you the data. Yeah. I had, I forgot. This is earlier in the scene, in, in the episode, where, again, I think he's a psychopath or a sociopath. When, uh, when the moment finally happens, he doesn't watch it. He watches the computer screen. Yeah. I just thought that was fascinating because they're all watching it happen in real time and it's beautiful and amazing. And I just think it's a really interesting choice yeah. and says a lot about that character that he kept his eye on the data the whole time. He doesn't beautiful supernova. Yeah. He just wants to, to get his experiment happening. That's I actually it. thought the explosion looked pretty dumb. Well, look. <laughs> I'm not saying it looked great, but in theory, they acted like it looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, it looked like repurposed re, uh, explosion footage that they had from somewhere else. I know that when I see supernovas happen, there's like a boom and a ring happening. <laughs> and then another ring coming towards the camera. Right. More sound design. This just looked like an X-wing blowing off. Yeah, that's crap. It was not as cool as like it could the have been. This was like the original 76 Death Star exploding. Yeah, Not the remaster, which looked dangerous. It actually looked similar to the ILM effect. And I know yeah. ILM did some of the uh, effects on this. So you might be, you're actually right. Maybe it actually is that explosion. I like to be right. Canon. You know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, so then we get the <laughs> Sorry, great yeah. scene to end this episode in 10 forward. Dr. Beverly Crusher talking to Guinan. 
Yes. And it's so great. Old and friends. it looks like she has a plate of Sour Patch Kids in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me like her even more. <laughs> um, but they talk about uh, Wesley finally getting out on his own. You know, he's getting you know, friends. Look, they're all wearing really brightly colored outfits. Yes. So to denote that they're teenagers. She has a great parenting advice, says the woman who doesn't have children. Uh, <laughs> but she says, um, sometimes a mother shapes her child, sometimes just by listening, which I thought was really nice. Of course, a, a race that is known for yes. listening would say that. <laughs> but I love that, like, Wesley pops in with some bitch we've never seen before. Uh-uh. Who is she? Uh, and we will never see her again. Never see her again. No. Beverly does some shit. I know. She takes oh. care. She gets her transferred. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah, her parents right. transfer it. Even worse. Yes. It's, just, it's all coming back. Bev was like, Jimmy you was out. Saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Canon. The behavior I... of the children affected the career of the parents. <laughs> That's true. I don't want you spreading whatever it is you're spreading, Wesley. <laughs> I like that, though. I like that as a contrast yeah. as a parent, right? Where you like, oh, you want them to be independent. You want them to do everything that they want to do. Uh, w- hold on. Wait, you're going to do that? That's not what I said. You got to be uh, the exact type of rebel that I want you to be, which is not having premarital sex. Yes. Right. All right. It's a believable turn, though, for, for Crusher. Where she's like, what, what do you know about this girl? Yeah. Right. And she just wants to know all, cute. all the things for it. It's a great button. And it definitely feels like, okay, we're in season three now. We are firmly in this territory. And I will say... For as much as they didn't make a big deal about Beverly coming back, this episode truly is about her filling in all of what she's missed. Oh, right. And like figuring out. So it is kind of like the fact that that the episode is sort of bookended by by her and her concern is a a nice kind of reentry back of like, oh, yeah, it would be kind of hard after a year to everything's changed. Yeah. And this is also a great like where the B plot and the A plot are not separate. Like you yes. definitely feel like they are one of the same plot. Um, and that the title evolution is not really about the nanites. It's really about more Wesley's. You just blew my mind. I know it's, it works on a, on a couple of cool levels. So I really like that too. All right. So final thoughts. I will go to you, Eric. Oh, what do you think? Cause you only brings you on my left and I'm looking at you. Hey, you don't, don't walk it back now. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I, I guess I'll give it like, honestly, I'm going to give it four and a half. Um, nanite, uh, evolution trains. Like I, <laughs> I just, it's so fucking, I'm falling Train. apart here. Um, I just didn't care for it all that much. I remembered it very well, and then I kept being kind of disappointed by where it went and how it went there. Uh, I love the reintroduction of Beverly. I love Guinan's presence. Um, I just didn't particularly care. Like, I remember so well that there's no fucking way the Nanites do anything lasting to the ship. Like, I wasn't emotionally connected to anything. Mm. And uh, the counselor would uh, tell you that I'm telling the truth. <laughs> four and a half alright Jimmy what do you think uh, I'm going to do a little higher than uh, than Eric I'll go with uh, seven bottles of acne cream <laughs> retin-a <laughs> oh, that's rough uh, mainly because of that opening to be honest it really felt like a top notch sci-fi show just looking at it and I dig the sci-fi-ness of the nanites um, being introduced as this new species and they quickly evolve. I mean, that is 
as sci-fi as you can get. Um, I didn't really care for the Beverly uh, storyline. I mean, as a parent, I know it's really difficult to be away for a year. Um, and they didn't seem to focus on that as much as they tried to make it seem like he's really different. He's the same person as he was when you left. Some things have happened, experiences you didn't get, but you know who Wesley is, Bev. Uh, so I just thought it was a, a lazy writing thing to try to make it more dramatic. Uh, but man, I was glad to see Beverly back. Uh, she looked great. She's a fantastic actress. So it was just, it was like, like you said in the opening, it felt like home. Like, yes, Beverly's back. This is the Enterprise's doctor. Velasquez, mm-hmm. she she's a great actress, but she was never the Enterprise's doctor. It didn't, it never jived. And, uh, just having her back, regardless of that storyline, that bumped it up a few for me. That makes sense. Kate, what do you think? I'm going to give it uh, six and a half eggs that don't look like eggs. <laughs> uh, I really... I. I'm, I, I cheered when I saw uh, Gates McFadden's name on the credits. Um, I just got excited. Uh, and so just welcoming her back into our lives is enough to give this episode uh, that. And I, I do like that it, uh, I like it, Jimmy, you talk a lot about the sci-fi stuff that you like. And I, I like the fact that there's that whole new consciousness, like a new intelligence that they have to deal with. Um, They do it very quickly, but they don't talk about the prime directive. And yet that's what this episode is about, which is kind of nice that we don't have to hit it. We're in season three, so we don't have to hit it over the head of like, Mm -hmm. well, here's these rules that we follow. It's assumed you already know that there's a prime directive and we should be following it. and uh, and Wesley's hair is fantastic, and uh, and yeah, and I don't know who that bitch is at the end, but that's fine. We never see her again, so we, because we cut her. She's yeah. wearing jewel time. She can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was wearing that in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of that. I'm surprised of... they weren't all wearing slap bracelets. <laughs> and Wesley's like, by the way, the physics of the slap. Bracelet. <laughs> oh, Wesley. Uh, I think I'm gonna go slightly higher. I'm gonna give it eight references to baseball. Uh, eight <laughs> home runs hit inside Stubbs's head. It is. One that works on on multiple levels, as I mentioned, with the way the uh, two plots work together. It feels like a well-constructed episode. It feels like we get so much more information about the relationships uh, with uh, Wesley and uh, Beverly, as well as Guinan being introduced kind of seamlessly to, to, to uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher, as well as to Wesley uh, and all that stuff. So um, it works for me. I like having a kind of somewhat simple storyline. It's not that complex of a plot. Uh, although there are, you know, twists and turns that go throughout it. And the references to other weird 20th century things started to grow on me. It's like, if you're going to do a lot of anachronisms like that, then go the whole hog, right? Like, don't worry about just kind of peppering it in there. They're basically like, these new writing staff, maybe they're new at some of this. They didn't know how to do these things without these references. But it worked for me because it felt new and fresh. And I'm, you know, it started off this season with a, a really good episode. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah. And I like being with all y'all. Yeah. Oh, yes. Live and in person. It's going to sound way different. I'm sure those of you who have been listening to Reengage for the last uh, two seasons, we thank you. It's been awesome. This one's going to be a little bit of a crazy one as we edit it all together. But one thing is certain after I've had two white claws, my pants are wet. I can see it. I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs>
We appreciate you for voyaging with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge crew on all of the social medias. Kate Yeager is Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by me, Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now as Dr. Beverly Crusher is ready to re-engage. <laughs>